0: You are the God above all gods. You are the king of kings. Your name is above every other. God, I thank you that you came. You died for our sins, for our mistakes. God, you came out of a desire for a relationship with us. God, I thank you that you haven't finished with us yet. God, as we learn to chase after you, your heart, your desire is for us to continually change to be greater ambassadors of your name, that all people in all places would come to know a relationship with you. God, we thank you that your word will not be shaken. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, you can grab a seat. Thanks, team. A good morning good there 's a few people out there. How good is that song? A declaration, Your word will not be shaken. It will never fail us i don 't know about you, but my faith my my spirit is always encouraged it 's always uplifted whenever I declare that song and so to, to be able to preach off the back of it is a, is a great thing. Hey, my name is Jeremiah. You might have seen me around church somewhere, I often run around somewhere out there uh, in the mornings, but it is nice to be in here with you and to see your faces. You are looking good this morning. You're not looking too tired. You're not looking too cold. It's so nice to be in church. Hey, I've got a... i have got I was wondering if you've enjoyed this last week and how cold it's been. Well, some of you will be going, no. And others of you, a little bit like myself, will be going, Well, it means it's snowing and snowing's good for the mountains and the mountains are good for skiing. So I don't know if you're a skier, but I'm a skier and I just, I love the snow. The cold, it's just, it means something else is coming. It means I get to go up on the mountains, strap on my boots, jump on my skis and leap off somewhere I probably shouldn't, but just enjoy the rush down the mountain. How much fun is that? See, I, this, this season, actually, it crept, it crept up on me. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was like, right, these fields are open. I'm going up for my first day skiing. And normally, I spend probably a month preparing for the ski season. Now, my flatmates will attest to this, but about a month before, I go and get my, my bright yellow ski boots, and I strap them to my feet of an evening just around the house, and I clunk around the house. You know how you have to kind of walk like this? And I I walk around for about a month with these ski boots on, preparing myself for the season ahead, so that when I get to the ski season, it hurts just a little bit less. Because if you don't go skiing all the time, if you are someone who just goes up maybe once a season, or once every four years, or I haven't been since I was an intermediate, you might remember that after your one day of skiing with no preparation, it hurt, you know. There's that, there's that stretching. There's that burn at the back of the ski boots, and they don't quite fit you. So I wear them in. But this season crept up on me, and here I was the night before my first day of skiing, and I hadn't worn my boots at all. So I decided valiantly just to just to take it easy that day. I'll go up late in the morning, and I'll come home early in the afternoon, and I'll do maybe oh, seven or eight runs. I was like, that, that'll be a good just ease into the day. The problem is, once I'm at the top of the mountain, boots and skis and poles all strapped up, all warm, to leap off the edge and to just, these massive carving turns through the fresh powder. (laughs) Seven runs, whoosh, flies by. And it's not till about the third or fourth run, and you're sitting on the um, chairlift, and you feel the slight unpreparedness that you haven't been able to put in. Anyway, I, after lunch, after my coffee break, I decided that I'll just do a couple more runs. And I did about five last runs. And then at the end of the day, I got in my car and drove home. Now, why in the world would I tell you this? Because when I checked my stats last, uh, the night after, I can go online and I can see how many runs I did, how many vertical meters I did. I'd done on my first quiet day and just the few hours that I was there, I'd done 17 runs (laughs) with 7,922 vertical metres. That wasn't a quiet first day. But, see, when I was skiing, my focus had to be on the run going down, the enjoyment of skiing, of those big turns, of the fast spraying people out with the snow, of laughing at those ones who maybe didn't quite get it right on the way down. (laughs) Never, never. But just enjoying the ride down. And it wasn't the ride up when I could feel the burn, when I could feel the pain, when I could feel the unpreparedness. Because if I'd focused on that, I would have stopped at two runs. See, it was what I focused on that became to matter. It was what I focused on that got me through and pushed me harder into everything that I didn't even know I had in me for that day. See, that day I thought, oh, maybe maybe if I'm lucky, I'll get 10 runs. But when I focused on the pure joy of skiing, because I love skiing, 17 runs, I was able to achieve so much more than I had ever. Imagined. Well, what about your life? What do you focus on? The joys and the, the pains, the struggles or the successes? Because what makes life so joyous, so much fun, such an adventure, is the enjoyment of living life. But if you focus on the pain, if you focus on the struggles, on the things that aren't easy, on the things that are hard, how much harder it is to keep living. I want to read from a passage in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, 45, but we're just going to do it in a few sections. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35 on, it says, before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Now, Jesus has just been healing some people and showing people that he is the healer God. And these large crowds are coming. And so early in the morning, Jesus has to escape before they can find him. And go off. And I can imagine these disciples being annoyed by these large crowds going, Where is Jesus? And they chase after Jesus and they get to him and they're like, Everyone is looking for you. Where have you gone? Before the disciples even get the chance to turn to Jesus and say, This is why they're looking for you, Jesus responds, We must now go on to other towns as well and I will preach to them too. This is why. I have come. So I traveled, So they traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. See, the people who were coming looking for Jesus, the large crowds, they were looking for this performance. They were looking for a miracle. They were looking for this, this great wonder, this big sign, this incredible thing that Jesus was going to do. They weren't chasing the person of Jesus. They didn't want to know what he was about. They didn't want to hear him talk. They wanted to see this great spectacle. They wanted to see people made heal uh, healed, sorry. people whose limbs maybe grew back, people healed of different diseases. They weren't chasing the person of Jesus. But Jesus here, before even the disciples telling him, he said, we must go to other places. He knew his true purpose was to go and tell more people, to let other people know of a God who loved them, to uh, to get them to understand a grace and a forgiveness that they've never understood before. He knew that he wasn't just about healing people and seeing people restored, but it was all about a relationship with him. And I wonder if sometimes we get so caught up, so trapped in the performance. We say the right things, we do the right things, we look the right part, we have the right gear. We come to church and we lift our hands at the right point in the song. Not too early, not too late, not too, so other people would see us, you know, Oh, oh, oh I lifted my hand too early that time. I've read my one verse of the day so that if someone asks me, then I can tell them that I've read a verse. See, do we just put on a performance or are we truly chasing the person of Jesus? If you've been on a ski field, like I said before, you might have noticed those people with the, the most excellent, beautiful gear who just do the occasional swish, 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 and then pose. You've all seen them. Maybe you're one of them. <laughs> and I'd say I don't judge you, but I a little bit. But see, we can put on the performance. We can wear the right things. See, I don't have the best ski gear. I don't have the latest equipment, but I ski for the love of skiing. So when I come to church, I don't come to church so that people will see me doing the right things. I come to church because I love Jesus. I read my Bible because I love Jesus. I lift my hands because I'm abandoning my whole heart to him. I'm not doing it as a performance because my mum and dad said, hey, you need to come to church or else. I'm coming because I love Jesus. Be single-minded in your pursuit of him. Don't become distracted by the opinions of people. See, Jesus could have easily sat in that place and allowed hundreds and thousands of people to come to him and healed them. See, when he said that we must go to other towns as well, it's not just a case of jumping on an airplane and flying to another town or jumping in a car or driving. There was hard work involved. There was distances that had to be traveled. He didn't allow the public opinion to dictate what he did. Instead, he knew his mission was to go and tell all people See, we need to chase the person of Jesus, not the performance. And as we chase the person of Jesus, he opens so many doors for us to step into the more that he has for us. Last week, last week in church, I'd just been away at Hillsong Conference, had a fantastic week away And I came back and a family that I've been working with for a very long period of time, I got some news about them. And it hurt because it wasn't the news that you want to hear. And I really, I had two options as I heard this news about my kids, my family that I work with. And I could have become really mad. I could have got angry. I could have gone and told a whole lot of people. I could have made a whole lot of phone calls. I could have put on this performance and, and tried to make things happen in my own strength. Or I could chase the person of Jesus. And so I stood in that seat just up there. For two minutes, I snuck into the service from out from being kids. And I stood and I surrendered it all to Jesus. I stood there with my hands lifted, bawling my eyes out. Because I knew that it wasn't in my strength that I could do a whole lot. But I knew that as I gave it back to him, as I abandoned it to the foot of the cross, as I gave it back to Jesus, as I chased after him, only he could do the work that he needed to do. As I stood there in worship, the door opened behind me and seven little kids came running in. Five of those kids never been to church before. The other two have been once before. Came running in and gave me a hug. Representing another three families that I work with. What? I lost it again. <laughs> because it wasn't about the performance. But God who is so gracious, so kind, so loving, as I laid it at his feet, he said, look, I've got it. Yeah. He said, look, that family you might not work with now, but, but look who I've placed in your life. Right. Now, I don't know if, if maybe I hadn't gone and stood there in worship. Would those kids not have come? I don't know. Maybe they were already in the building. Who knows? But for me, what a sign it was That as I go, God, I give it all back to you. I'm not trying to do this in my own strength. I'm not trying to put on a performance. I want the person of Jesus. Jesus, you've got this. I give this family back to you. They are actually your kids way longer than they've been mine. You care for them so much more than I've ever cared for them. So we need to look for the person of Jesus. Let's read down just a little bit more in mark chapter 1 verse 40 uh, mark chapter 1 verse 40 sorry a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of jesus begging to be healed if you are willing you can heal me and make me clean if you are willing if you are willing to have leprosy back then, you were an outcast. You were the lowest of the low. You were unclean. If people even approached you, you had to call out, Hey, I am unclean. You cannot come near me. I've got leprosy. But this man, he came right up to Jesus, knelt in front of him, begging to be healed, and he asked this weird question Are you willing? Well, he knows Jesus can. He knows Jesus is able. He's probably been part of the crowds and seen many others healed by Jesus. But are you willing? For this man, it was placing his whole trust, his whole life, his whole future. Because what if Jesus turned around and said no? Everything about this man's life hinged on this moment. Would he be able to rejoin society? Would he be able to then go find a job? Would he be able to then touch someone, to shake their hand even? And he simply asked Jesus, are you willing Now, if if I was really sick and I knew about a man who could heal you if you just touched him, I don't know if I would sit there and be patient enough to go, Excuse me, sir. Would you mind if potentially you could just just heal me? I think I'd be going, Just right here, please. Just if you touch me, then I'm healed. Are you willing? Are you willing to put your whole trust in Jesus as we chase after the pursuit of him, as we chase Jesus, as we spend time in his word, as we come to church, not because of the performance, but because we are in love with Jesus, when we get to him, when we finally arrive, when we get here into a place where we can freely come to Jesus, are we then prepared to go, I'll trust you with everything? I'll let it come down to your decision, your opinion. Not the opinion of others, not the decision of others, not my own decision, but God, I'm prepared to place everything I have, my livelihood, my friendships, everything, God, I'm willing to lay it down and trust you. Are we prepared to seek God's will? Are we prepared to ask him what he wants to do in our lives? Are we prepared to trust him? Or do we just think that maybe we can do it in our own strength? A number of years ago, uh, just maybe six or seven years ago, um, my gran, she um, was diagnosed with cancer. And as a family, as a Christian family, we gathered together. As a church, we gathered together and we prayed and we believed and we seek God for a healing. We said, God, come, would you heal her, please? She's lived her whole life honoring you, lifting your name up. Would you heal her? And as a church, we, we then stopped praying directly for a healing. We said, actually, God, if it's your will, would you heal her? Because we didn't want to be people who commanded things because God says he'll give us the desires of our heart. We didn't want it if it wasn't in God's will. And my grand, the trust that she placed in him said, look, if one person comes to know Jesus because of my suffering, I'll do it. Ouch. A few months later, Grand passed away. And at her funeral, as we testified to the incredible life she had lived as we celebrated everything she had done, as we celebrated the life that she had walked with Jesus and the journey she had had with him, we also testified of the love that God had for all people sitting in the room, for the hundreds and hundreds of people that gathered. And that day, three people, three people said, I want to follow Jesus. But it was as we placed it in God's will, as we said, God, You actually, you have your way because you know the ways that you've set before us. You've created us for plans and purposes that only you know. God will trust you with it. We've got to look for the person of Jesus. Be single-minded in our pursuit of him. And then trust him with his will. Are you willing to trust God with your life, with your issues, with your struggles? What about your success? If we read on in Mark chapter 1, in verse 41, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing. Be healed, he said. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. As we place our trust in him, Jesus says, I'm willing. I'll meet you wherever you're at. I'm your biggest champion. I love you more than you could ever understand. I've got great things for your future. I've got so much more that I want to give you. Got so much more that you can step into if you just pursue me and trust in me. And Jesus says, I am willing. When he reaches out and touches the man with leprosy, it's in the action that the person of Jesus is revealed. It's so countercultural, so different in his preparedness to just reach out, to then say, I'm willing, and then be healed. Not be healed, then I'll touch you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever circumstance you're in, Jesus says, I'm willing. I'll be there with you. Let me help you. Let me draw you. Let me point you to the future that you have with me. It goes on in verse 42, instantly, sorry, in verse 43. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. He couldn't keep quiet. In his single-minded pursuit of Jesus, not just a healing, he was after the healing as well, but he was going for Jesus. Then he trusted Jesus with his will, with his whole life. And then he couldn't keep quiet about it. There was something in him, a freedom, a full restoration that he's like, everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to know. See, Jesus had told this man to keep quiet, and yet he told everybody. And yet Jesus commands, to tell e- t- t- commands us to tell everybody, and we keep quiet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Jesus told this man to keep quiet, and yet he told everybody. And Jesus commands us to tell everybody. Everybody, and we keep quiet. Ouch. See, imagine if we had the same passion that we couldn't physically contain the love and compassion of Jesus with others. What if we stepped out? What if we called out? What if we demonstrated his love through our lives? What if we reached out to a broken people, to a hurting people, long before they were healed? Long before they were fully restored, long before they were even walking in our doors? What if we were prepared to go to the to the dark places, to the painful places? See, because we carry the person of Jesus, if we've pursued after him, if we've chased him with all we've got and we've trusted him with our lives, then we can go into any place knowing that we already have the victory, knowing that the Jesus inside of us is able to do immeasurably more in their lives than we could ever do. There's a small verse in In Luke chapter 19, if we have it on the screen. And Jesus is going into Jerusalem in this big triumphant entry. And people are gathered and people are celebrating and people are calling out and people are laying their cloaks on the ground for Jesus. And his disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's go next slide. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And I tell you, he said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Now, I don't know if I fully understand what it means for the rocks to cry out, But I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to be outshouted by rocks. (laughs) Really? Because Jesus said, if we keep quiet, creation will scream my glory. Everything in my world, everything that I've created will call out for me. I don't ever want to be a generation, a person. I don't ever want to be a church that is outcried by rocks. So if Jesus commands us to go and tell all people, he says in Matthew 28, therefore go and tell all people. And yet we keep quiet. I don't ever want to be outcried by rocks. And the last verse in verse 45 says this, but the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened in the second part here. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. And he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming. Just as I wrap up here, and the band's going to come. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. If we are passionately single-minded in our pursuit of Jesus, if we continually to chase after him, if we come to church, spend time in the word, pray to him, encourage each other, if we're single-minded about growing our relationship with him, and we place our whole trust in Jesus, Jesus, saying, God, you have your will. Lord, whatever you need to do, and he does it, then we shouldn't keep quiet because I do want to be someone. As a result of this one man, large crowds began to surround Jesus. Large crowds began to come and meet him so much so that he couldn't enter towns or go to public places. See, there's always more for us to do. There's always more that we can step into in our relationship with God. We can always trust God with more. We can always pursue Him more. Let's never be a people who are out shouted, outcried by rocks. Let's be known as the generation that as a result large crowds of people soon surrounded Jesus. Let's be people who draw people to Jesus. Would you stand with me for a moment? Like my skiing Are you focusing on the pain And the struggles Of the lift ride back up Or are you enjoying The downhill slope The enjoyment of those big turns And a life following Jesus Are you focused on the love That Jesus has for you Single minded In your pursuit of him Are you really trust in God with everything that you have see if we live like this how much more is there for us don't even want to be a generation outcry by rocks but one that's known for large crowds coming to Jesus as we chase after him let's pray God God, we thank you that you're not finished with us, that there is always more that you have for each individual. God, for us as families. God, for us as a church. God, as we remain planted, as we remain rooted in the love that you have for us, God, knowing that you have so much more for each one of us, God, help us to not chase after our own heart desires, but to hear your heart's desire. God, we pray that you would have your will in our lives, that we would trust you with everything that we've got. God, help us to never sit quiet, to never give up, to never become complacent of a life following Jesus, never become complacent with the love of God, and the sacrifice that you showed each of us. But God, stir something within us. God, fire us to go out into into the world, to tell all people about your love. And as we pursue you, help us to never lose focus of the main thing. Help us always to keep in mind the love of your son. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.